Welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read Pamela Anderson's poetry so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Love, Pamela by Pamela Anderson. Joining us to discuss this surprisingly wholesome memoir is Karen, one-third of Two Bossy Dames. Hello, Karen. Hello. Thank you for having me. We're, we're really excited to complete the, the Two Bossy Dames trifecta and have all three of you. <laughs> on the show collect us all collect us all yes (laughs) yes the podcast is more valuable now (laughs) happy to help uh and uh okay before we get into it this book and pamela anderson's life comes with a lot of content warnings for child child sexual abuse adult sexual abuse domestic violence uh attempted suicide uh Revenge porn? I don't Not even really revenge porn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Un- Ill- Ill- illegal porn? Un- Ill- illegal? But then some, yeah. And yeah, certainly porn that she did not consent to yes. be out there. Re- yes. Yes. I think we all know about that. But yeah, it's disturbing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just a rough, a rough, uh, set of circumstances for Ms. Anderson and and yet she is she is such a star just just carrying on undaunted well sometimes daunted but like I just I finished this book feeling such admiration for Pamela Anderson I I'm feeling like truly ride or die I will I'm ready to well, step one, acquire a sword. Step two, raise up my sword for Pam if needed. Yes, Same. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I've been a big Pam fan for a long time. And this, um, yeah, this definitely cemented my my feelings for Pam. And I can't believe just how resilient she is. And Re- Yes, resilient yeah. is a perfect word for it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And just always seems to keep like she just has this very naturally kind of bubbly, you know, riding around in a soap bubble type <laughs> type vibe. <laughs> and um, yeah, she's just always Pam through everything. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I can't yes. say that I had thought about her very much before this. Oh, um, okay. You know, I not in a negative or pot like I was I am aware of her place in like the greater mythology of the 90s. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's not, um, you know, as, as listeners to the show will know, I'm not super pop culturally minded okay. sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I like also after reading this, I was like, oh, like I've learned so much that I didn't know about this woman. Uh, and I, I would in fact walk into hell for her. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You know, I think, yeah, like growing up in the nineties, I certainly was aware of Pam, but I would say mostly neutral. I think honestly, Karen, um, that two bossy Mm -hmm. dames was what started me on my like awareness of Pam because, um, you and Sophie, um, and I, I think maybe not Margaret at that point. I don't know. Uh, wrote about the, um, the Pam the and Tommy show. Yeah, the miniseries. Yes. yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I'm not, in addition to being like a Pam fan from way back, Pam and I, Pam is not that much older than me. And um, so, you know, I was 
a young woman when she was kind of like the uh, sort of pop culture ideal in terms of a, you know, certain kind of woman. Like she was, I feel like my, you know, she was our like Marilyn Monroe or Bridget Bardot. Mm -hmm. Like she was kind of held up as like this ultimate sort of, you know, Barbie slash sex goddess slash, you know, just unattainable goddess, um, which, you know, I think has kind of affected everything about Pam because she's not kind of naturally like that. It's very much kind of a persona that she um, puts on in a lot of ways. You know, I think she's naturally very kind of sexy and sexual, but she, you know, is it, it. I think her public persona is almost a kind of a parody of herself a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And this book kind of seems to be taking that back. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah I think, um, yeah, the, the age that I am, like, I think I first encountered Pam Anderson, like when she was on uh home improvement as like the tool time girl, which yes. <laughs> so much of my notes from this are just like, a, a famous male celebrity's name, comma, gross. Ew. No. Um, and, like, right when she started on, and if, you know, if you're younger than me, Home Improvement was, like, the family sitcom of the 90s. Like, I, I watched it, like, most people that I knew watched it. Tim Allen hadn't yet become, like, an outspoken MAGA weirdo. He was just sort of like a, a regular level offensive comedian. And he also was in like so many Disney projects around then. So especially for like kids our age, I think like he was a very well known, like I, despite my saying like, Oh yeah, I'm kind of a pop cultural, unaware of pop culture sometimes. Like my family watched home improvement and that was honestly, that was a shock to me. I hadn't realized that, that, uh, Pamela Anderson was the tool time girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the Pam and Tommy of it all started, like I didn't watch Baywatch cause I was a little young for mm-hmm. that. And I think the news of her and Tommy, I think like waves of it hit me, but I was really too young to like care or understand mm-hmm. most of mm-hmm. it. And so I think that is a lot of what, maybe drove the mini series too of this sort of like generation of people who had a vague awareness were like, Oh, that, that, but I will say I didn't watch it. I read the two bussy dame stuff. I read some other stuff about it, but Mm -hmm. I think because by the time it hit me and I thought about maybe watching it, like Pam had come out and said like, I don't like this and I wish you wouldn't watch it. And I was like, okay, I guess I won't. Yeah. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that when that came out, I was perhaps deep into Our Flag Means Death and not watching literally anything else, if I'm remembering correctly when it hit. I think it was a little before that, maybe, but yeah. Not not to spend the whole time talking about a miniseries when we're here to talk about the book, but I guess just just providing our context for it. Yes, yes. Yeah, so Pam spoke out, yes, like as you said, Pam spoke out against the miniseries and said, you know, they had called her and asked her to participate. She didn't respond to anything. Um, and that she just said it was it was painful to her to to th- to have this stuff kind of brought up again. 
Um, which makes sense, especially, and, uh, you know, ironically, the miniseries kind of goes into why it was so sort um, just why that situation was so horrible um, in a way that when it was actually happening at the time, there, no one was talking about that. No one was like, this is really inappropriate that we're watching this couple's private tape it was just seen as like a hilarious kind of like wacky thing that had happened um but it was not and i do think the miniseries had a lot of faults but i do think it went into that pretty well by the way i just i googled pam and tommy miniseries and one of the top hits is a vulture piece written by you and sophie so (laughs) hell yes So yeah, we'll we'll link to that on our website. But what to read, watch, and listen okay. to after the Pam and Tommy finale, which of course yes. now you'll have to go back and update and add this podcast. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course. <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> we also did like an even longer version of that for two bossy dames. So if <laughs> oh yes, yeah. So- if anyone is just very curious about that whole situation, <laughs> we have a lot of content for you about that. <laughs> Yes, and I do think um, there is a big crossover between dames enthusiasts and podcast our podcast listeners. But if you're yes. if you're in one but not the other, of course check out Two Bossy Dames. Yeah, yeah. But again, we're here to talk about the book, not the miniseries. Yes. But that's sort of like yeah. I think our our preface is like here's where we are on our Pam knowledge pre reading the book. Here's what's in the world, uh, and okay. And so the book starts with a prologue that is a long poem. Pam writes a lot of poems in this book. I will say I love Pam so much now. I love her artistic expression. I don't love her poetry. No, she's not a very good poet. Um, Which is, you know, that's, and I do think, I don't know if you read the epilogue, but it seems like (laughs) at first she just wanted to do poems, which I which yeah. I was like, oh, thank God for it. <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. And in the, in the, ep- oh, in the afterward, also, she says, like, um, and, I, you know, I this book was so hard to write. It was all me. It was no ghostwriter, no whatever. And I was like, yeah, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, indeed. Um, so good for her, I guess. But also, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're just sort of these like free verse poems. Yes. They're just we'll we'll get into it in the dramatic readings. I give you a little one, but they're not the best poems, and that's okay. She's that's good fine. at a lot of other things, exactly. And I think she gets a lot of pleasure out of the poem, so that's good for her. Yes. <laughs> And then after the prologue, then the first chapter actually opens with a Canadian First Nations land acknowledgement, which I was, I was just blown away by. I was like, holy shit, Pam. Like, I really wasn't expecting this to go there. And like, I guess that's on me for underestimating her. But that was like, right, right off the bat, I was like, okay, like, let's, let me like put my glasses firmly on my nose and like get into this because she... She is really smart and curious about the world. And yes. uh, like I knew that I knew about her and PETA and we'll talk about more about PETA uh, later, yeah. mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I didn't realize how political she really is and how engaged she is. And just like, yeah, fuck yeah, Pam. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't love all of her affiliations, like PETA, not mm-hmm. great. Julian yeah. Assange, not great. But, <laughs> uh, her, you know, uh, you're right. Her heart is in the right place. Absolutely. And she, it seems like she gets a lot done. You know, she really, yeah. like, she does, she, she's out there. She's mixing and mingling. She's raising funds. Um, yeah. She's yes. on the ground. Yes. Boots on the, on the ground. ground in Canada. Um, yep. So we, we're starting, you know, it's, it's her memoir. It's her life. It starts with her as a child um, in kind of like an idyllic rural beachy small town upbringing, except for that her parents had this sort of like occasionally abusive, toxic, yes. weird relationship. Yes, you can see the roots of her kind of issues with men in uh, <laughs> in her parents' relationship. You Absolutely, know, that's what, that what was held that's what was held up to her as normal. This very like passionate but ultimately toxic kind of situation. And oh, and she had her vegetarian awakening at age six when because her dad would hunt, and when she like saw the dead deer, she was like, "Nope, never again," and and didn't. And I that was it. I, I love that. I love her. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. I feel like a lot of people when their children kind of have that realization and then just like, oh well, you know, I mean I start, you know, like you realize like, oh, meat is animals. Oh my God. And then it's like, well, okay. But, but Pam made like that was like one of her Pam's life forces. It stuck. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. 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 like even yeah. like when I was a kid, I had a brief phase where I was like, oh no, meat is animals. Oh, I don't yeah. want that. But then it was just yeah. like it was so much easier to just like go along and keep eating it because that's what the family was eating. And so exactly. I'm vegetarian now, but it didn't really stick until I was in college and I could have more like food independence. So to like Right. To do it when you're six and stick with it, even though your family is is still eating meat, like it's it's hard and good for you, Pam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, in her ch- she had a a babysitter who sexually abused her, and yes. you know at his at a young age where she didn't like really understand it as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. then a a when she was thirteen, a boy who was you know, in her social circle, raped her. And again, she'd yeah. like... I mean, to just, clarify, it was not a boy in her social circle. It was a, a much older man. Yeah, right. Who yeah. was the, a friend of her school friend's much older, quote-unquote, boyfriend. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, I think he, she two- said he was in his 20s. Oof. Oh, okay. I thought late teens, but yeah. Yeah. One of those situations that used to be just very normalized. And it, and I it's only very recently, I feel like that people are like, oh, wait a minute, 13 year olds definitely should not date men. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And for yeah. some reason, like that used to just be like a thing that happened. Like I had friends who dated like much older boys and men and I was just like oh cool like good for them you know and it's like no not like that's horrifying like what are these men doing so yeah 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 um and she talks too about being like 
a tomboy and in a way mm-hmm. I feel like that is kind of like a, a trope for like sexy yes. and be like oh I was a tomboy oh, but it yes. seems like sincere you know that she was like yes. out there in the beach like you know digging in the sand and playing with the little um uh crustaceans and whatnot like yes um and and that she was like a late bloomer and didn't have like this body until she was out of high school mm-hmm. yes yeah i mean yeah it's a trope but <laughs> it, yeah it it happens yeah it does yeah so she her parents relationship like at one point her mom leaves her father and they all you know she and and her brother and her mother get an apartment elsewhere and they don't tell him but you know as a child pam misses him so she calls him and then they all get back to happy families sort of but it reaches a point when she's in her teens when her father you know, starts to beat up her mother and she steps in and tells him off and kicks him out of the house. And she realizes that, you know, she needs to leave. Like she, she can't be a part of this anymore. She needs to focus on making, you know, a life for herself, finding safety for herself. And hopefully her goal is that eventually when she gets like a safe living situation, her brother can come and live with her as well. Yeah, that part was so heartbreaking. And it also, I mean, it's like, okay, these are the roots of, you know, one of Pam's sort of ongoing goals in life is 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 to have a happy family. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the roots of that with her own parents and brother. Really <laughs> sad. Just, I really yeah. felt for Pam. Yeah. Ongoing. Okay. Um. So then, uh, after high school, she moves to uh, Victoria, Canada, and at first stays with her great auntie V. Or in the audiobook, is it V or Vi? Um, I don't remember. It might be. It might have been V. Okay. I. It's spelled. It's spelled V I E. Yeah. Um, yeah. This aunt, an icon, a legend. <laughs> Here, I pulled a quote that I want to read to describe this woman who I love. Yes. Uh, auntie V fed the homeless ferals and all the other cats in the neighborhood and they ate very well she'd boil chicken and vegetables grind them up together and freeze them in heart-shaped jello molds she'd wonder aloud why all the cats came to her house with a wink and a smile then one day late into her 80s she sadly tripped backwards over a cat a neighbor siamese purring at her feet while she was at the refrigerator waiting for his gourmet treat she passed away from complications in the hospital after the fall i can imagine going out in the same way and I said, same, like, I feel yes. if if that's how I die, that would be a life well lived. Uh, Duarte agrees. Um, and, and also, this is a woman who is like very sexy. She's also described as a widow with a divine spice for life. And so Pam only stays with her a few months and then has to move out because she realizes she is cramping her aunt's sex life, which is. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, Auntie V or Vi is goals. And I also loved, I don't know, I feel like I'm perhaps the only person who is, you know, out there uh, listening to this, who watched Pam's show VIP. Uh, Oh. (laughs) Uh, It was this really funny show that she was on that was sort of this like parody of like spy shows. And it's like Pam is a 
not Spisha. She's like a bodyguard, but she's really bad at her job. But she like keeps sort of accidentally saving the day. Uh-huh. And so she keeps being, it's it's very like wacky and lots of like pratfalls and, you know, things like that. But anyway, and I love that she had said that she had based her character in that on her aunt. I was like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. VIP. Recommend it if you are in the mood for a wacky, you know, late 90s, early 2000s hoot nanny of a show. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen that one. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, that sounds fun. And now now that yeah. I'm like a full Pam stan, maybe I'll see if it's streaming. Yeah. So this, in addition to introducing us to this iconic aunt, this is when Pam's career is launched shortly after, like while she's after she's moved out of Aunt A.V. so she can get back to having all of her lovers over, uh, mm-hmm. she she and her friend go to a football game because their neighbors were were representatives for Labatt's Beer, which is a Canadian beer brand, if you, yes. if you, the listener, don't know. And because they were friends with these beer reps, they got, like, free shirts and stuff. And so she was wearing this... Um, and is sure this had enter the blue zone, which I guess is the Labatt slogan or was at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they caught her on the jumbotron and that like the audience, the crowd like loved her. She got out, she got pulled out at halftime to come onto the field and like help with a prize drawing. And then after that, um, like her career took off and was like, wow, who's this like hot blonde in the beer shirt. And I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to link to it. There's a, this obviously isn't from the exact day, but it's like the poster that they took of her in that shirt um, shortly after. And I'm struck by how just normal, like she's obviously very beautiful, but she looks like so like young and sweet. Like it's truly like a girl next door vibe. And it's very different from the, like her later like bombshell era. And it's just like a very, sweet photo and she i mean she really looks like 16 maybe yeah yeah she looks young yeah unrecognizable compared to her like current sort of pam persona yeah yes and so shortly after that she like gets a call from playboy and and goes to la and there's there's a boyfriend in this in this moment who was like oh my god Another harrowing tale concerning a boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she just truly has terrible taste in men. I mean, she really does. Uh, yeah, she gets the call from Playboy and he is throwing things at her while she's on the phone with Playboy. Like, he's so angry that she describes, like, being on the phone and, like, dodging things being thrown at her head. Yeah. Um, but he's a photographer and she still is like, well, I'll do Playboy, but if my boyfriend can be the photographer because she still, like, wants to try to, like, work it out with this jerk. Yes. Sweet baby Pam. Yeah. (laughs) So she, she ends up going to LA to meet Hugh Hefner, um, and there is this, like, Com- almost comical like she goes to the airport to get on the plane and she's so excited that she's posing for Playboy that like when the 
woman at the counter asks her why she's going to LA. She's yeah. like, oh my God, I'm going to post for Playboy. And she's like, oh, well, then you need a work visa. Yeah. We can't let you through. <laughs> so the the woman who she's working with from Playboy is like, okay, well, we'll just get you a ticket on another airline. So like, you know. Just, just be cool this time and don't tell yeah. this one you're going to work. Yeah. Except that. So she, like, goes into the bathroom and, like, changes her clothes and, like, puts on a hat and sunglasses and then goes up. But it's the same woman at the desk. And she's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So she has to take a bus across the border and then, like, take a plane. And it's her first time on a plane. Um, It's just – it's wild. Like, the whole – it's a very charming story about how she gets – um, from Canada to LA to you know do this first Playboy shoot, and yes. and then the day that she arrives in LA is the day of the Pride Parade, and so yes. she she goes so she, well you know she writes that she imagines every day in LA was like this, and then she tells her mom not only do gay people exist, but they walk around in pink hot pants handcuffed together, and there's a parade here every day. Oh. <sighs> little baby um and then yeah and then she throughout this she loves playboy she loves Hugh Hefner she talks all the time about how like wholesome and safe it was for her at playboy and I (laughs) I really just feel like what this says is not how good playboy was but how shitty everyone else was to Pam that she could go to the playboy mansion and just be like lightly friendly groped and be like oh this rules like yes (laughs) yes exactly yes it reminded me of the have you seen the movie the house bunny no yes yes okay i i wondered after this i was like oh did they know was this based on secretly on pamela anderson it's like this whole story (laughs) about this like yeah it stars anna ferris and she's like this you know like woman that finds like you know, a family basically at the Playboy Mansion, and then anyway, it goes from there. But um, yeah, this sort of like very rose-colored glasses, like hazy view of the Playboy Mansion as this magical land of like friendship <laughs> and and love was, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I I don't think it's really like that, but like you said, that's what Pam knew, and that's yeah, yeah. And hey, like, just happy that she had an ability, the ability, the opportunity, rather, to feel that way after all of the shitty things that have been happening to her. Yeah. yeah. Up to this point. Um, and, but they yeah. do continue to happen. While at the first night at the Playboy Mansion, she meets a producer who, like, asks to, like, take her out for lunch and then when she tells him, like, oh, yeah, like, they want me to do a centerfold, he's like, oh, no, no, like, don't do that. Like, come live with me. I'll buy you a house and a car and you can just, like, and I'll I'll take care of you. And she's kind of like, okay, I guess. And, you know, <laughs> so she still poses for Playboy, but she, like, lives in a house that this producer buys for her and, like, drives around in his car and, like, hosts parties with him. And she's not romantically interested in him. And he hasn't made a move on her. So she's like, oh, this is fine. Until yeah. <laughs> a friend from her life in Canada who had like been shooting a TV show in Canada that she was an extra on. And she got like chummy with him, comes, calls her up and is like, oh, I heard you're in L.A. 
like we should hang out and when she tells him where she lives he's like okay and when he hears because about her whole it's in it's in Bel Air and yes. her her neighbor is Ronald Reagan yeah Yes, and, and the producer is John Peters, by the way, who is, you know, was famously Barbara Streisand's partner for years. He produced um, the version of A Star is Born that, he, that she was in. He was a celebrity hairdresser before he became a producer. So this guy has like a long, weird Hollywood history. Yeah. And she she's like, oh, she tells her friend all about it and he's like, no, this is weird. Like, this is weird. Yeah. He's not just giving you this because he likes you. Like, he- Her friend, by the way, is Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> right! Right! <laughs> yeah, per- perhaps people who are better at celebrities should be telling these stories and not me. <laughs> her casual friend, Mario, M- Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yes. But, yes. Son of Marvin Van Peebles, the <laughs> yes, director and Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah, she so she's just like, I don't know, it seems fine. He's like, no, it's bad. Like you need to leave. This isn't gonna end well. Um and he eventually talks her into like leaving and she just like gathers up all of her things and she leaves like everything that this guy, John Peters, has ever given her. Um, at the house and like the keys to the car that he had given her and like goes to find an apartment somewhere else on her own yes although in a weird like later twist which is not in the book pam and john peters actually got married for 12 days in 2020 so they somehow came back together (laughs) many decades later got married for 12 days and then they actually they their marriage was, they never filed paperwork, so their marriage was dissolved. But uh, somehow they had a 12-day whirlwind marriage many, many years later. Wild. <laughs> wow. I know. And that's Pam. Like, there's so many things like that, that, you know, in her life, it's, it's yeah, it's all part of the Pam package. Yeah. Classic Pam. Classic Pam. Okay, and then after this, well, comes comes home improvement, where I wrote in all caps, gross Tim Allen, because he, like, fully flashed her her first day on set, because he was like, I've yes. seen you naked, so it's only fair that you see me naked. And she just, like, writes this as, like, a, like, haha, weird anecdote, but it's just, like, man, gross. Yeah, no, I feel like that happens to Pam a lot, and it was, again, just kind of... At the time, it was like, oh, yeah, boys will be boys, including Tim Allen. Like that disgusting Jack Nicholson story as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, I yeah. also have all cops gross Jack Nicholson. I feel like the Jack Nicholson story was one that got circulated from this memoir and, you know, little write-ups. But basically, he was at the Playboy Mansion and, like, involved in a threesome with two other playboy bunny is in the bathroom yes. and then sh- she walks in just to like actually use the bathroom and then he makes eye contact with her in the mirror and then comes and then like winks yes. and says thanks honey yeah and-, and then she's just like yeah and he's like years later he's asked if i remembered when we first met how could i forget and it's like horrifying uh, just, an- uh, just another day in Pam's Hollywood. Yeah. 
so then uh then Baywatch comes comes a call in. And again, this is like the shitty guy that she's dating at the time is like, I'm gonna go audition for Baywatch. And she's like, I'll come yes. support you. And then they're like, Oh, hello, Pam. Um, we would like you to be on our show and not your shitty boyfriend. And he's like, Wah. Well, and he did. Mm-hmm. He was on the show. Okay. Yeah. And they had but been, not- so Baywatch had been calling her for a while and she didn't want to do it because they filmed further south than she wanted to go. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, And right. she had been doing another show. She was doing Home Improvement. And, right. Uh, so she went with her boyfriend for his audition and they were like, oh, it's you, the person we've been calling for months. Do you want to be on the show? And like, I think that's why he got especially shitty about it is that she didn't even yeah. have to audition. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, whatever. So I, like I said, I haven't really seen Baywatch. Like, obviously, I've, I'm familiar with the red swimsuits, the jokes. I did see the mm-hmm. Baywatch film starring The Rock, but I didn't mm-hmm. see the show really. Mm-hmm. But, so I didn't. I if you'd asked me to describe who her character on the show was, I I would be like, she's a lifeguard. But mm-hmm. here is a quote from Pam about creating her character of CJ. The producers wanted to know more about me to create a character. We spoke about my grandfather and how I love the ocean, animals, crystals, how I could feel energy. That's how CJ, or Casey Jean, came about. The bohemian free spirit who loved incense and candles, a healer and an animal whisperer. A true reflection of me. (laughs) It's so precious. Yeah. I watched yeah. a little bit of Baywatch as a kid because it ran in syndication Yes, before a show that I liked. I don't remember what, probably like Murder, She Wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like every once in a while I would like flip on the TV and I'd watch a, you know, a little bit of Baywatch or a couple, an episode of Baywatch before the show that I wanted to watch came on, but not yeah, enough I- to be, you know, knowledgeable about it. Yeah, say I actually, it's ironically probably the thing of you know Pam's piece of work that I'm the least familiar with, (laughs) despite the thing. It's the thing that made her a star, right? But yeah, Yeah. never watched a lot of Baywatch. Well, I I just love this description of this, and it's so funny because people are like, oh, like the sexy lifeguard, but to Pam, she's like this character is a bohemian free spirit. Right, and they're like, um, okay, that is not the takeaway that most people have, but, yeah. good, you know. Uh, she also, when mem- talking about memorizing scripts for Baywatch, she says, my silly photographic memory came in handy. Like, throughout this, Pam is casually, like, so smart, and she's like, I, you know, on set, I was reading Play-Doh, and, like, whenever I travel, I always yes. love to go to museums and look at the art, and Hugh Hefner was surprised by how much I knew about Salvador Dali, and, like, go off, Pam. I love you. I know. I know. It is kind of, like, it's, it is odd to me how she always has to kind of angle herself as accidentally getting all of these these opportunities right like oh I accidentally was you know somehow they found me and asked me to pose for Playboy I casually went to Baywatch and was asked to be on the show like I do have to wonder like is she just is what is she literally not this not ambitious and just kind of happening into these things or is that the image that she wants to give I it's odd to me how she's so like, and then someone else found me and made me into this thing rather than sort of taking, you know, credit for becoming this icon. 
it's interesting to me that she doesn't really own that. Yeah. And like, obviously, you know, none of us know her personally, so I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it could definitely be a mixture. Mm -hmm. She meets Tommy. Mm. (laughs) 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 Yes. (laughs) So yeah, her meeting with Tommy is kind of infamous at this point. They, uh, he, he basically stalked her for a while um yeah <laughs> yeah here's here's how she describes their first meeting they're at a, a party and she's had uh like ordered a round of shots for everyone at this party at the club or whatever and uh in order to thank her for the shots tommy came bounding over to my table wallet chain swinging no shirt on just tattoos and nipple rings he sat beside me and licked the side of my face the first meeting what the fuck yeah. i <laughs> yeah. Tommy Lee, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Then um, she licks her then she licks her friend's face. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just a bunch of face licking, and that's how they meet. <laughs> that is how they meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then literally um he he wants her number and her friend Melanie, whose face she licked is like, no, he, this is bad. Don't. But then Pam is like, Oh, this is the hotel I'm staying at. Find me. Bye. And Mel- her friend Melanie's like, no. And like Melanie enters the phone when Tommy calls. And I was like, she's not here. And then, but Tommy keeps trying and he catches Pam on the phone. She's like, Oh, sorry. I have to go. I'm going to Cancun. Bye. And then he gets on like the next flight to Cancun and finds her in Cancun. Like, yes, my guy. I know, but then they got married. <laughs> then they got married in Cancun. Like, uh, a day later, um, yeah, they. It, I don't know if she goes into this in the book, but it, it's uh, Tommy in his book, Tommyland, discusses their relationship. And um, they were on ecstasy the entire time that they were in Cancun, which um, they go into in the miniseries a little bit. Tommy Lee, very enthusiastic drug user. <laughs> Pamela Anderson, not so much, but she, uh, I don't even, I don't, it's possibly he spiked her drink. I don't know. But anyway, they were on like an ecstasy bender when they decided to get married, which I think that is, makes sense. Yeah. It, it, expo- it explains a few things, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, quote, on the way home or on the flight home, I asked him what our last name was, and he said, Lee. Yeah, I know. I love that. <laughs> okay, <sighs> Pam's first marriage begins, and it's it's just clearly, you know, it reminds you of the the intense and toxic way she talked about her parents' relationship. It's so yes. so ups and down, so possessive, so yikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah very sexual like it's yeah. obvious they're obviously very into each other physically and that really carries them for a while yeah pam in the midst of this semi semi-intentionally tries to uh overdose on on advil but 
because she was trying to do it with vodka, she says, because she was trying to swallow the, the Evo with vodka and she doesn't like the taste of vodka, she spit it back up, which I yeah. think maybe is just what happens if you take too many pills, any whatever you're drinking it with. But so yeah. she doesn't yeah. die, but she Thankfully. goes, she's hospitalized for it and then finds out she's pregnant and then loses that baby. Yes. But then they have two two kids. Yes. Pretty quickly. Like yeah. right in a row. They have two babies. Yeah, Brandon and Dylan. Yes. The, the most nineties of names. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At some point during this, the safe in um Pamela and Tommy's house is stolen and you know, she says in the book that she knew there was some stuff in there, but wasn't entirely let sure. Me, like- let me pull the quote. Um, I tried to remember what was stored in the safe. I knew the bikini I was married in was in there. A collection of champagne corks with special occasions written on them in Sharpie. The scroll on which Tommy had written the poem he read to me at one of our weddings. The one where he'd ridden in on a horse. My knight in shining armor. We had a lot of weddings. So that's what she knows of that was in the safe and that like they re- he goes like Tommy I think goes to get something out of the safe and there is the whole safe is just gone and so then yes. they're like oh fuck we don't know when this might have happened because we're not always like looking at the safe every day and, and they were having the work done on their house so there were people yeah. who were in and out all the time Yes, the miniseries is actually based mostly on an article about the guy that stole the safe. Um, oh. So maybe we can, yes, so maybe we can link to that article Yeah, um, if people want some background information on how that happened. But um, yeah, the guy, the people, the, they were having their house worked on. Tommy Lee was unsurprisingly a real asshole to uh, the people that were working on the house. And so the story is, is that this guy, dis- and he refused to pay them at one point, despite them having done a lot of work. And so this guy um, decided to steal a bunch of stuff from Tommy um, sort of as retribution and then discovered what it was he had and off went the tape into public circulation. And she was seven months pregnant with this, their second child when, yes, when this happened, like when the, when the tape was like publicly distributed. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. She doesn't talk that much about all of that in the book. She mentions it and how sort of, you know, poorly treated she was by everyone involved. But, um, you know, as she said, when the miniseries came out, you know, that was a terrible time and I don't really like to be reminded of it. And she kind of follows through with that in the book and doesn't really go into it very much. She talks about how she and Tommy, um, their catchphrase for trying, they want to get through it all with grace and dignity. And they say grace and dignity stuff and they just say G and D. And I feel like, I feel like Pam perhaps successfully has achieved G and D. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. They they keep having ups and downs, and then she does leave him after like a particularly physically abusive moment. That's like it's rough. It's all fucking rough to read about. Yeah. It's really disturbing. Yeah. And Tommy goes to jail. Um. That's that's what sent Tommy Lee to jail. Um. Yeah. And they separated, but then. 
Turns out, kept getting back together again over the years. Um, this ongoing theme in Pam's life. But it seems like now Tommy Lee is married to someone else now. Um, and seems like maybe now they're just kind of co-parenting their adult children. And great. <laughs> yeah, may- maybe now Tommy has achieved G&D as well. Maybe. I don't know. Ugh. Approaching. <laughs> Yeah. She says, I never believed in trying to change people. Just change husbands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which she does a lot. Uh, but it does seem, I, I mean, all of her relationships really do. She, I don't know. I, they seem so ridiculous, but also like, it seems like she is genuinely going into them in good faith. Like, Maybe this time, um, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. just don't think you know. Like, I don't. I I just think that she chooses. She has very bad taste in men. She does not yes. pick out good partners for herself. But she does seem sincere. Yes, and, that, and motivated by love. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, like, and and I think there's a kind of like strength in being able to like preserve that level of of vulnerability and openness yes throughout and and it's it's it makes me so mad at everyone who would take advantage of that yes yes which perhaps brings us to bob (laughs) (laughs) yes i Of all the things in this book that were hard for me to swallow, perhaps the hardest was, like, learning that Kid Rock's name is Bob and having her (laughs) refer to Kid Rock as Bob. Just every time she was like, and Bob said this, I was like, Kid Rock, like, Kid, quote, Bob Rock? No. (laughs) We're, no. (laughs) And certainly I understand you are not going to be out here calling your grown man husband Kid, but also... Bob? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, I could not reconcile it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's a lot. And I love that their entire relationship seems to be based on, because they. this is another one where they were together, broke up, then got back together again and got married. And it seems like their entire relationship is kind of driven by the fact that Pam enjoys it when he sings to her. Like that's kind yeah. of the only like thing that she says that makes that about like why she finds this man attractive. Yeah, like it's not fair that he can sing. Like I just I'm you know helpless when he sings. <laughs> and to be fair, the first time she meets him is at a charity concert when he's singing with Aretha Franklin, which I think right. anybody who's singing with Aretha Franklin, like sh- yeah, that's hot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even Kid Rock, I guess. But then, yeah, but then yeah. Uh, yeah, she also does seem to enjoy his sort of Detroit roots and kind of having, you know, that he has this sort of, you know, um, like not so much Hollywood background. Like he has yeah. a, a different kind of like down homey background, the same that she does, which I think is also part of the reason why she likes him. But that all ends when he is infuriated by her appearance in the Borat movie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> what? 
I like I feel like that is a mad lib. Like Pamela Anderson broke up with Bob Rock because he was mad at the Borat movie. Yes. Um, yes. it does sound it does sound actually like genuinely terrible because they were at a screening and he like flipped out and was sort of like um aggressive about it and sh- like really embarrassed her in front of like Steven Spielberg was there. Yeah. Ima- like yeah. imagine being mad at your wife in front of Steven Spielberg for being in the Borat movie. <laughs> what the fuck? Right? <laughs> and like yeah, I guess he was upset that they mentioned like the whole sex tape thing and it's like you are married to Pamela Anderson. Like, you you know, just, yeah. you know, thank God and move on, Kid Rock. Like, this is, <laughs> you know, you do not deserve this woman. And But no, no, he can't. And they, and then it's just like, and we broke up and lost touch. <laughs> Farewell, yeah. Kid Rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, throughout it, I do want to say I think Pam sounds like such a great mom. Like she clearly like loves yes. her kids so much. Is doing yes. everything she can to like give them emotional stability. Like yes, and she like it also just it reminds me of that kind of like childhood my my brother and his friends had sort of a similar vibe going on i was not as popular in high school i only had like four friends so this did not but like my brother had like a big group of friends and like three or four of the moms in the group were basically parents in general were like yeah like you can come over anytime like just show up it doesn't matter we'll always have Mm -hmm. snacks for you like you're always welcome for dinner like you can always come over and you know hang out or you like use the nintendo or like like that kind of like yeah like i'm i'm their mom but like i'm here for all of the kids in the neighborhood yes yes yeah because after kid rock they moved to or i think even with kid rock they had a home in malibu but she really focuses on their home in malibu and the kids would just like go surf all the time and they would go surf before school and she would like pick him up and drive him to school like still wet from the ocean and she was like and it made him better students because they were like you know they were had gotten all their energy out on surfing yes. so they weren't like um they were ready to focus yeah yeah i mean it seems like pam is you know she is the parent that she did not have right as much as she loves her parents mm-hmm. she did not have that sort of stability and just unconditional support like her unconditional support of her children amid all of this madness like the rest of her life is chaos like the, yes <laughs> like her situation with men is chaos like the work that she does is chaos like at one point she's a magician's assistant in vegas mm-hmm. her life is wild but she it's obvious and i don't i don't think this is a bit like i do think that she is like a steadying loving presence with her children she talks about taking them to, I guess, the Playboy Mansion has a famous Easter egg hunt, which I did not know about. She would take them to that every year. And then one year she mentions, like, one of the boys was talking to Hugh Hefner and he was like, Mom, do you know what he does for a living? And she was like, what? And the kid was like, he said he takes pictures of naked women. And she was like, ew, let's get out of here. And they just, like, left the egg hunt, like, laughing and just, like, this is really cute. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it is really cute. 
And it's like, oh, I'm one of those women. Like, I'm one of the most famous women that he's taking yes. pictures of naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, also, in, in this zone of her life, she met Vivian Westwood while petitioning for indigenous activist Leonard Peltier's release from prison. Like, I, I would <laughs> love to be there. Um, Absolutely. And, and then when one of her sons is college age, she gets him an internship with Vivian Westwood, where his she sends the son off to museums every day to look at paintings and decide which one he would save if the museum were on fire. <laughs> which which sounds like a cool like artistic education, but like what a what a trip. Yeah. And, and I will say, like, Pam's, like, clearly very proud of her kids, and she talks about, like, wanting them to have sort of a normal life and, like, not be rich and spoiled. But there's mm-hmm. only so much you can do when you are, like, well, I just had my friend Vivian Westwood give him an internship. Yes. Of, yes. of looking at paintings and choosing to save them from imaginary fires. But, you know, it seems like she did all right, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, all things considered, like, considering, you know, her life the fact that their father is tommy lee like yeah you know seems like she offered them a safe place to to be to be kids yeah another thing she casually mentions in this era of the book is that she was in talks to do a project with Werner herzog but unfortunately it fell apart killed me i had never heard that before what were they gonna do can they do it now yeah. Can we circle back to that, maybe? Can you guys, like, make that work? Because I want to see this partnership. <laughs> yes. Um, and then this is also, she talks more in depth about, like, her activism. And, like, as Karen mentioned before, uh, PETA is not a good organization. Like, I'm a vegetarian, but they are trash. And they, yeah. you know, they are often, like, racist and problematic in the way that they talk about animal rights issues um yes. and we talked about this too because we read elvira's memoir and elvira is also deep into PETA. i think they just must be like really good at convincing celebrities that this is the way to do th- i don't know they have like yeah. really good celebrities I, involved no i think that's part of their deal it reminds me actually of scientology like they oh. really do kind of like seek out and hype up celebrities um and they have that sort of you know, they have that, you know, the whole, like, I'd rather go naked than wear fur. Like, they have a sort of almost campy sensibility that I think probably yeah. appeals to both Pam and Cassandra Peterson. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> it's another thing where you're like, okay, Pam, like, heart's in the right place. Why did you get involved with this trash? You know? yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. But she is involved with other organizations and, like, um, yes. She talks, well, okay. She's also friends with Julian Assange. And mm-hmm. Julian Assange's mom is tells her that, like, she's really impressed with all Pamela's activism, but she thinks maybe she should try to be, like, less sexy because, you know, people don't take her seriously. And Pam says in her book, I am who I am, which is a combination of all I know. And I've always believed that striving to be a sensual person or being sexy should not conflict with intelligence. Women have fought yes. hard so that we do not need to limit ourselves. And this confirmed for me that I had to use all I had even more to get attention for what was right. If the cartoon image of me was what got me through the door, so be it. 
And so I continued to work the only way I knew how. Yeah. Yeah. Like she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Yes. She's in on the, I don't know if joke is the right word. She's self-aware. Yeah. Yes. About this, about men. But, like, in terms of who she is and how the world sees her and how she presents herself to the world and how she can kind of get the most done using all that she has, like, she's very smart. Yeah. Savvy. Yeah. Another – this is something that she says she always tells her kids. Happy is only one emotion. All the other feelings are just as important. Even sad, even yearning, surprised, disappointed – I promised them that when they were upset or heartbroken, they would feel joy again, but that they must first sit with those difficult feelings. Don't hide from them. And I feel like we have read like 20 self-help books for this podcast and none of them were as helpful as like this paragraph from Pam Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love that stood out to me too. I loved that. I was like, that's right, Pam. Thank you. (laughs) Good reminder. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're kind of like blowing through the last few chapters. Like she talks about her activism, like her adult, like empty nester kind of life. Um, she talks a lot about like remodeling and eventually selling her Malibu house. Yes. For, I loved yes, that. a lot of money. Yes, I know. I loved I loved all of this stuff about her Malibu house. It sounds so magical and beautiful and like the and like that uh, it really sounds like she kind of came into her own there like she had her own space and she made it what she wanted it to be and like used it as like a nest in which to raise her children i really loved all of the malibu house stuff yeah yeah she she moved back to canada um you know she seems happy yes she did she did have (laughs) we've missed a few of her marriages here including so she did have during like the pandemic she married her bodyguard and they like had it sounded like they had a very nice like idyllic vancouver life together but they have since broken up um and i was (laughs) i was so happy when i heard about that marriage it sounded like oh okay pam has finally kind of has this like a grounded you know outside of the you know ridiculous world of celebrity marriage but it was not meant to be apparently um and then i think the last thing she really talks about in the book is um being in chicago yes yes on broadway the chicago the musical yeah. on broadway yes oh yes, yes. I, was- <laughs> I forgot chicago and <laughs> other things <laughs> yeah and like i i remember when she was on on Broadway in Chicago and the reviews were like great you yeah, know because yeah Chicago's you know one of those musicals on Broadway that's always stunt casting always like bringing mm-hmm. in some random celebrity to be in it because you know it's been on Broadway for like 20 years and to get to make it something that appeals to tourists or whoever to convince you to see it they'll get you know Pamela Anderson to be in it for a few months and a lot of times those people are maybe not the best but it sounded right. like Pam like was great. Yeah. Cause, and I, I yeah. really do think that it's the kind of thing where if she had been bad, like people would have written like pretty mean stuff about it. Yeah. You know, yes. I think that, I think that people probably, you know, not everyone, but I think a lot of uh, journalists probably would have been able to write like really good clickbaity pieces if she had been bad, but uh, it sounded like she was genuinely very good and, 
and I'm proud of her. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I think that role is perfect for her. I think that's really inspired casting. And um, yeah. I, I hope Kim does more stage work. I think her whole sort of like larger than life persona, I think would it, it does very well on the stage. I think that's, I hope there's more stage work in her future. Yeah. She does talk about uh, the Rob Marshall who directed Chicago, the, the movie version, yes. like approached yes. her on the beach and she didn't really know who he was. And he was like, you should be on theater. Like I've been watching your career and there aren't many people left who have a true vulnerability like you do. And that's what you need for the stage. Mm. And I think that mm. was insightful. Yes. yes, absolutely. And then she, in the epilogue, she says, I didn't think I'd want to spend this part of my life explaining myself to people. And I wonder how much of her decision to like write this book and put it out had to do with like the mini series and like the sort I think, of, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think she was inspired to do it by the mini series. It's still not particularly revealing is that the, is another thing that's kind of magical about Pam, right? Like she does, she is very vulnerable. She does kind of tell you a lot, but not too much. You know, I still I didn't finish this book feeling like I knew Pam any better. You know, I just I felt like I knew a little more about how she feels about herself, which was cool. But, um, you know, she still has keeps kind of a privacy about herself. I mean, I, I guess I'm coming in at having had a lower starting knowledge of Pam's life mm-hmm. and works. And I okay. definitely feel like I I know more about her now. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, yeah. And I kept thinking, and at first I thought it was just because of the poetry, but it I did keep thinking about how sp- spiritually this book felt to me a lot like Green Lights did. Mm-hmm. In that it was not so much focused on, like some of the celebrity memoirs we read are very focused on, you know, we've talked about this before, like here's all of these, like gossipy whatever right yeah here's every time i met a celebrity which yeah. is, that was kind of a virus thing mm-hmm. but um, like green lights and i feel like this were were much more like here's what happened to me in my life and sometimes mm-hmm. those things intersect it with celebrity but it felt much more as if they weren't they weren't trying to sell books by talking about how many celebrities they knew and all the gossip they knew, but more by being like, well, here's who I really am, quote unquote. Um, And then also the poetry, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which again is, you know, perhaps in reaction to the miniseries, which is so gossipy and such a sort of like, throw all of the pop culture, like the most kind of lurid pop culture from this time period into a blender and like, you know, spin it all up. And um, yeah, it definitely seems like this is sort of a reaction to that with like, you know what? I love animals and books and (laughs) my children. Like step off a little bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, should we move on to our dramatic readings? Yeah. Sure. All right. So, Karen, I think you're up first. 
Oh, all right. So, so ironically, so one of my favorite parts in the book was her description of the Tommyland party that she threw for Tommy for his birthday, which is also described in um in the book Tommyland. So I I feel like I've <laughs> I know more about this party than I do actual parties that I've been to. But, uh, <laughs> it, I, <laughs> I, it was just such a like, okay, this kind of explains their entire relationship and the deal during this time. So, all right. On the night of the party, Tommy had no idea what was going on. I convinced him to allow my makeup artist, Alan, to do his white clown makeup. He initially protested, bratty, questioning everything, whiskey in hand, till I placed the robe over his shoulders and the crown on his head. Then he realized what he was getting into. His tone changed when a tour bus pulled up, the guests piled into it, music blaring, champagne flowing. We arrived at the ranch to a red carpet being rolled out by little people through the gates of Tommyland. The whole entrance was a scene. Tiki torches, glitter and pink rose petals being thrown, people on stilts, and Cirque du Soleil performers covered in chalky makeup, their muscular bodies highlighted, it seemed, by the moon, but really by a strategically placed blue light. They moved in slow motion to the music, balancing off each other, a show of impossible strength. The event was a feast for the eyes. At every turn, there was another surprise. A singing Elvis duo with swinging rubber penises. Polynesian fire dancers. Circus mirrors in the bathroom. There were more performers than guests. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Uh, an ice cream bike was driven by a scary clown through the crowd, ringing his little <laughs> bell. While cute girlfriends we knew sauntered around the party with appetizers dangling off their buxom bikinis, stuffed grape leaves and spanakopita triangles in honor of Tommy's Greek heritage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the end of the party. Okay. Uh, so in addition to the party, my gift to Tommy was a grand piano custom painted with designs swirled in gold leaf inspired by his tattoos and Polynesian drawings reminiscent of Bora Bora, a place we both loved and eventually traveled to together. Posted next to the piano was a tall Dr. Seuss-style twisted candelabra, its wax dripping down its raw iron and onto the stage. Some of us poked our fingers with pins and signed the guest book in blood, a sacred bond, a ritual. <laughs> and then everyone leaves in ambulances. She hired ambulances to come and take people <laughs> home, which I thought was a nice touch. Oh, will you, will you read just the part where she, the like very last part where she checks out spending all her money on it? Oh my God. Yes. Okay. I all just, right. I thought Are, that was so sweet. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Our lives were a living, breathing Fellini film. Most of my friends, the ones who really knew me, told me I should be a director, a photographer, a songwriter, anything creative. I just wasn't sure how to manage anything like that while I worked every day. But I was known to throw the best parties in the universe. I spent all I had on that party. It was worth it. And money wasn't something I was comfortable hoarding. If I had it, I only wanted to use it to make people happy. Love is the quality of attention we pay to things. I just thought that was the sweetest way to write about this bonkers ass party. Right, exactly. I mean, and that's yes. him, right? Yes. Like, this party sounds absolutely 
absolutely ludicrous. And the way that Tommy writes about it, it just, it sounds like an insane, like, bacchanalia, like, you know, <laughs> just, you know, party, just an absolute blowout party. But to Pam, she was like, this is how I show my love. I'm paying attention to all of the things that you love, Tommy, your tattoos, your Greek heritage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Okay, I'm going next, and I am reading the poem that Pamela has included about PETA. When I joined PETA and helped to create animal welfare laws where there were none, I spoke often and intimately with world leaders and other government officials. NGOs used me to get in the door by whatever means necessary. But once in the door, I'd surprise people with even more voluptuous sentences, a virile engagement they hadn't bargained for. When you have nothing to live up to, you can't disappoint. People whispered I might be genius if I could form a full sentence. Utter shock that I might be educated, well-read, and prepared for the causes I was fighting for and sincerely held close to my heart. Sometimes all they wanted was an autograph or a kiss on the cheek. I wanted laws to be changed. We both got what we wanted more often than not. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Pam. Yeah. I, yeah. It's funny. When we were picking out what we wanted to do before the show, and I said, oh, I want to do at least one of the poems – and Kate said, well, because I listened to the audiobook, I'm not really sure what the poems were. And they, yeah. they are, like, you can tell when you're reading it because they are italicized and they have, like, short line breaks. But they're kind yes. of... It, it's, yeah, it's it's a fine line between when Pam is writing a poem and when Pam is just writing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's okay. That's fine. Okay, I'm going to read a little bit about her life with Bob, a.k.a. Kid Rock. At times, our differences were so apparent, I'd leave to take time to think. Then I'd have Mr. Ahmet Erdogan, the founder of Atlantic Records and Legend, call me on Bob's behalf to try to convince me to give him another chance. I'd arrive in New York for work, and there they would both be, sitting in the lobby of the St. Regis, at the piano, playing and singing A Song for You by Donny Hathaway. Or another one of our songs, For Your Precious Love. It's a dirty game when a man can just sing you a song. You can't help but cave to his abilities. His secret weapon. And I fell for it every time. I wanted to be back in Malibu, though. I had rented a small house on Escondido Beach, but it was tiny for the five of us. So, Which is her two kids and Kid Rock, I guess, has one kid. And then Mm -hmm. kid. Um, And her. So Bob found us a more suitable home on Point Doom and bought it. We were about to move in until the premiere of Borat. The screening at Ron and Kelly Meyer's house didn't go well. Lots of important industry people were there. Steven Spielberg, Rick Rubin, Laird Hamilton, and his wife, Gabby Reese. I didn't tell Bob I was in the movie because I wanted to surprise him. I forgot about the part in the film that referenced the sex tape. Bob stormed out, calling me a whore and worse. He was embarrassed, and his reaction was not thought through. Laird yelled, Don't get mad at Superwoman when she busts out her cape! 
After I chased Bob to his car, he peeled out, leaving me there alone. I turned back and apologized, then asked if anyone could give me a ride home. When I walked in, Bob was smashing a photo on the wall. He said he was sick of waking up to a photo of me and David LaChapelle every day, which is her photographer friend. But it wasn't me and David. It was Marilyn Monroe and Bert Stern. We broke up. I didn't stay in touch with Bob. Good. Yeah, fuck. Good. Good. Don't. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Bob. As if we needed more reasons not to like Bob. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Now uh, let's move on to reader's advisory and suggest some books to read instead of or in addition to Love <laughs> Pamela. Um, Karen, I'm going to turn to you as our, our main expert on this. What have you got? <laughs> okay. So, of course, um, which I've mentioned several times, Tommyland by Tommy Lee, which he named after this party that Pam threw for him. I think Pam originated, quote unquote, Tommyland. Um, so, yeah, it tells his extremely ridiculous side of the story. And uh, Tommy Lee is you know, an ass, but his life is fascinating. Um, you know, his, he got his start in the eighties as the drummer of Motley Crue and has lived an absolutely insane life. Um, you know, in it, including and outside of his life with Pam. Um, so (laughs) if, if that floats your boat, it floats mine. Um, I recommend it. And then I also recommend the book Dirty Rocker Boys by Bobby Brown. Um, not the singer or the makeup artist, but the model who star who is most famous for starring in the video for Warrant's song Cherry Pie. She's the blonde girl in the Cherry Pie video. Um, she later was married to Janie Lane, who was the singer for Warrant. And she and Tommy were actually engaged when he and Pam got married. Um, Yeah. She learned with everyone else, along with everyone else, you know, when they got back from um, Cancun that her fiance was actually now married to someone else. Um, She and Pam sort of had parallel careers for a while. They appeared on an episode of married with children together, Hmm. uh, which is, hilarious um she is very bitter about pam in general um and there it's sort of a two two roads diverge situation the way that her career has gone and the way that pam's career has gone um and it's it's extremely gossipy she like pam has had a lot of ridiculous famous boyfriends um and she too seems to have kind of come out okay in the end, which is a relief. Good. So yes. <laughs> I mentioned this earlier. I do think we last year on the podcast covered yours cruelly Elvira by Cassandra Peterson. Mm-hmm. I think there is a kinship there. I think both of these mm-hmm. books, like we we really enjoyed reading them. And if you they are different in that, you know, we mentioned the Elvira book is more into celebrity, but there is something there of a kinship of these women who like know that they're known for being like sexy bimbos, but they're actually like smart and love animals. And I like, I hope that they're friends yeah. uh, to me. Yeah. They should be friends. And, and I think their books vibe together yes, very well. I agree. 
Um, we'll have uh, these and some other ones we didn't get a chance to talk about up on our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. And now it's time for The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson, not Kid Rock, by the way, Kid Rock, already in the book, <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson, or uh, who he would be if you were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Karen can choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. <laughs> um, I think that if Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, uh, I would have him just be like a, a friend of Pamela's, someone who believes in her, who understands that like just because she's known for being a hot blonde bimbo on TV, that doesn't mean she's not intellectual, that she doesn't understand you know, the things that the project she's working on, the causes she's fighting for, and would just really be like a supportive sound board sounding board for her. Mm, She could always use that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think Wolverine actually just would not be in this book. I don't think Wolverine has ever met Pamela Anderson, but if you met him and asked him about Pamela Anderson, I think that he as a proud Canadian only knows her and only thinks of her as the Labatt's Blue Zone girl. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, I get, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and choose paper just because I feel like Pam, this is like Pam finally got the chance to kind of speak for herself. And I want to honor that and just leave, leave the book as she, as she wrote it. Yeah. Love that. That's so valid. Yeah. (laughs) Um, all right. Well, thank you for playing Wolverine and the Rock. Better luck next time. <laughs> and uh, now it is time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will weigh in about the book. Oh, my God. He loved it. Um, you know, he he actually, uh, like, I, you're right, Dorothy. We didn't talk about the part when her dad um, drowned those kittens, and that was awful. But <gasps> oh my god, that was and so I'm, harrowing. Yeah, and I'm, that was I'm really sorry upsetting. to bring that up. But yeah. as as Duarte said, there are way more pro cat anecdotes in here, and oh my god, and the part also where. Yeah, thank you, Dorothy, for reminding us to talk about the part where Pam was at a party and some, like, Air Force bros were trying to fry a cat in a frying pan and Pam saved the cat and the cat lived for 20 years with her dad. Like, hero, icon to all cats. Yes. Thank you, Pam. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. And thank you, Dorothy, for reminding us to mention those incredible moments. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, do any humans have any closing thoughts about love, Pamela? I am glad we read this one. I do feel like like I I enjoyed it. I um I listened to the audiobook. She's a good reader. Uh you know, I, I feel like I know a lot about this person that I previously knew very little about. And I meant at the top of the show to apologize for sounding like I'm dead, but I forgot to do that, so now I'll add that apology here at the end. Uh, I have a cold. I'm sorry I sound like this. <laughs> we're we're proud of you for carrying on. You, you're, you're a real trooper for the podcast. Yes. Thank you. Yes, I'm impressed. Um, um, final thought. I'm just ha- – I'm happy for Pam. I am happy mm-hmm. for Pam. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, I also, I've been thinking a lot about um, the podcast you're wrong about and Sarah Marshall keeps talking about like the era of the bimbo and mm-hmm. how we're in this cultural moment now of like reevaluating all these quote unquote bimbos from the nineties and like, and, and, you know, other mostly the nineties, I feel like of, yeah of what a rough era that was for women, particularly like beautiful, conventionally attractive women like Pamela. Um, and I'm obviously like sexism and misogyny still, still carry on, but I'm, it's, it feels good to be in this moment of reconciling a little bit that like, oh, you can be smart and pretty at the same time. Like, what? what? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, obviously still progress to be made, but let's let's see a moment to celebrate the progress that has been made and and what that means for Pamela Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, if you would like to come and talk to us as a podcast on the internet, uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestseller spelled normally. We're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because uh, the S was in Pam and Tommy's safe and it was stolen years ago. We have never recovered it. (laughs) We've moved on. Um, That's where we are. (laughs) <laughs> sorry i my brain is so fried that i forgot how this part goes um you can subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify uh amazon google play all of the places where there are podcasts and if you do subscribe to us please take a moment to rate and review if you rate and review it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us uh if you don't rate and review I will have to go infect you with this cold, which has nothing to do with the book, but as previously mentioned, <laughs> oh, my no. brain's fried, and I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head like that. We also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash bestsellers. Patreon is a service where you offer a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like keep our equipment up to date and pay for our web hosting. And in uh, exchange, you get some perks like stickers or postcards in the mail and uh, a monthly short bonus episode about what we're into recently. And we also have merch available at that you can find by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch, uh, where you will find all sorts of designs from our podcast that you can wear on your body. Finally, we have a Discord server that's also linked to at worstbestsellers.com, and you can come and join and talk about the show, new episodes, and also whatever television you're watching, books you're reading, and video games you're playing, and, you know, all sorts of other things that might be on your mind with other fans. Yeah. Um, Finally, you can find just me online at Renata Snacks. You can find uh, me online at 14 across and Karen, where can people find you and two dot bossy dames and anything else you'd like to shout out? Um, I'm on Twitter at new old Karen. Um, It's locked, but don't be afraid. I'm very friendly. Um, And then my website is karencorday.com where you can see what I've been writing recently. And of course, um, you can find me along with Sophie and Margaret uh, at Two Bossy Dames.
there's three of us now. <laughs> Even more dames power. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's a substack. So twobossydames.substack.com. Yes. And, you know, like I said before, if you're not already subscribing to dames, get, get them in your life. You need them. Yeah. If, if you don't know it, you do. <sighs> All right. Well, Karen, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your uh, Pam expertise with us. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, and we'll be back in two weeks with um, another celebrity memoir of a different variety, uh, Without You by Anthony Rapp. Um, so we'll see you then. Thanks. Bye. 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 Oh, God. Oh, Sorry. Okay. <laughs>